How is it possible that it's already August? We hope you are enjoying your summer. Back by popular demand is our AirPods Pro giveaway. Members who successfully answer our bonus content quiz will be entered for a chance to win a pair of AirPods Pro. To participate, you must have access to the bonus sections of the podcasts, which you get by becoming a member. Members also receive an ad-free listening experience, an evening newsletter, an invitation to join the DSR Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of August, you'll receive 50% off the normal membership price. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code BONUSCONTENT, one word, at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code Bonus content. Thank you for your support. Nine, twelve, ten, twenty eight, two, twenty three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super secret studio in the third sub basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Words Matter. And as you may have picked up just by listening to my voice, I'm not Kavita Patel. I'm not Norm Ornstein. I'm David Rothkopf. And I used to talk to them every single week, and then they ditched me for their own pod. Um, And every so often I have to reach out and say, please, can I come back? There are things to discuss. And this week, they have been nice enough um, to extend an invitation. So by way of introduction, thanks, Norm. Thanks, Kavita. Oh, Norm, I mean, was it a question? I mean, I know there was a little bit of debate, right, Norm? We decided (laughs) with David... Did David actually pass muster? And then we also tried to struggle, David. What do we talk about this week? This is a really, you know, I call it a low news week, low energy. Yeah, there's nothing low. And oh, I love your Trump impression. Is that something new that you do? (laughs) It's low energy. (laughs) I'm trying to practice my MSDC Uh, or whatever he called it yesterday. (laughs) That's really good. MS, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty out of his mind. Hey, well, you know, last night there was a Republican debate, so to speak. At least that's how it was billed. Maybe, uh, I don't know if you watched it, Kavita. I know Norm did because I regularly tune in to Twitter. I refuse to call it anything else. Um, because Norm is 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 kind of my spirit animal and he vents, he vents for all of us. Um, much like Donald Trump is going to go to jail for all of us. What did you think, Norm? Um, you know, I think early on I said, God help the United States of America if any of these people become president. Uh, and that was uh, an enduring impression. Um, I mean, I know uh, Asa Hutchinson from his time in the House. He's a decent human being. But even if Asa Hutchinson became president, the courts would move further into utterly radical, anti-democratic territory uh, than we have seen up to now. Um, uh, The uh, Dobbs decision would be uh, amplified in very bad ways. But if you look at any of the rest of them, uh, it's just pathetic. 
and the degree of pandering to a crazy base, uh, you know, left me dismayed. I use Twitter actually as a catharsis because I can't just watch this stuff and not react to it uh, in the moment. Uh, I will say, David, that the one who really got to me more than any of them, uh, although we can talk about many of the others, was Vivek Ramaswamy. It is hard to imagine. Herman Cain would have been Abraham Lincoln compared to Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, somebody who's not just utterly unqualified to be president, but is a lunatic, a conspiracy-mongering, lying lunatic who does his conspiracy theories and then lies about whether he said the crazy things that he said, even though they're on tape um, and clearly appear to be completely out of his depth, which means he's probably running number two in the Republican uh, uh, presidential primary contest. Yeah, I, I, I just have to pick up on a theme there, uh, Kavita, and I hope you won't mind. But the person who did the, the best by many accounts in the debate last night, um, uh, among those on the stage, um, was Nikki Haley. The person who was the scariest and most out of his mind at the debate was Vivek Ramaswamy. And the ultimate beneficiaries um, of the debate were Joe Biden and um, Kamala Harris. And I can't help but notice that three of them have Indian origins. Um, oh, yeah. And this was, you know, this is this is a complete dominance of American politics. Um, as was pointed out in the New York Times by Ann Coulter or someplace by Ann Coulter. I don't know why she's in the New York Times. Um, uh, uh, but I saw some interview in which she said they have some Hindu business between them um, uh, because, you know, she's a racist jerk. Uh, but I just was wondering what you thought of the whole thing. So I was on a string with Asians, not South Asians. There were like um, probably about 10 of us from kind of current, uh, you know, all ex-Biden-Harris or ex-Obama-Biden, you know, people. Uh, just to put it out there, Nir Tandon was not one of them ever because I think she's I think she's technically the highest profile next to obviously Kamala Harris is, but I wasn't on a text chain with Kamala Harris. Shocking as that might sound. So I don't believe was I don't believe us, you. I believe uh, she's yeah, talking to you. Yeah, constantly. exactly. She's on, she's on our, she's on our WhatsApp chain. Um, so there are about 10 of us. And literally I have to read this because it was priceless. I won't give the attribution for the sake of anonymity. Um, but it was incredibly true. Like as the debate was unfolding, uh, most of us basically said, the only thing that we really regret is that is that South Asian children everywhere can learn a lesson that they can just be utter assholes and still accomplish something in the United States. And and I think that is actually literally how I would sum it up. And so it's it's not lost on me that, you know, you know, on one hand, we should probably step back and say, did I ever think we'd see someone named Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki, you know, whatever her face, whatever her maiden name is, Haley. Um, to to be on a stage for a, a, any debate, much less a presidential debate. No, so that's a pretty big accomplishment. Did I think they'd be the biggest giant assholes in the world and that somehow I would come out of it rooting for Nikki Haley? 100% no. So, I, I mean, that is, 
And so let me just say something about Vivek Ramaswamy, just because his business that he's made billions off of is actually in my neck of the woods. Um, He's got a very successful uh, biotech firm that's spun out billions of dollars of technology in the, in, and it's fascinating because he's on camera talked about the you know corrupt FDA X Y and Z. It's how he's made his money. He's been able to go through that corrupt FDA and do all the things that this horrible government has set up for him and make billions of dollars. And I don't know if people have connected. You know, there there's some, there seem to be. I wanted you and Norm to kind of tell me there seemed to be this you know, obvious anti-government sentiment last night, but you kept picking up on themes. I was I was in preparation uh, for today, not knowing if we would exactly talk about this debate. I started looking at, you know, the way they were talking about Vivek, because it was clear from the start that he was the one to attack, which meant that he was the one that was perceived on stage as one of the biggest threats. So both of those things. But I thought it was interesting because, you know, at the end of like the I, I, at the end of the debate, it felt like other than the um, the bearded ginger banjo player at the top of the debate, I thought he was the biggest winner of the night. Um, I actually thought that like th- that it was it, in all in all, Nikki Haley won. But then, interestingly enough, people kind of thought Ron DeSantis won as well, and that Vivek was obviously going to be under attack and was the loser. I thought Mike Pence, you know, actually for moments, really rattled Vivek. And I really thought that it was worth something when he kind of threw him off. But it felt um, it felt like Nikki Haley kind of came forward. What does this all mean, though? I mean, it's just felt very clear to me that this is still all jockeying for what a vice presidential slot. So anyway, I'm going to go on. I, I digress. But uh, not once, not once has uh, Vivek brought out his Hinduness. I'm not even sure if he's Hindu, to be honest. And yes, um, there are a lot of like racist and xenophobic people that have uh, made comments, but I bet would vote for him regardless if they thought it would keep to their MAGA values. Well, I can set aside all of those. As a tennis player, I saw some video of him playing tennis shirtless that was on Twitter, yeah. uh, which he posted. It was disgusting. And it's just terrible. And I was so delighted to see Martina Navratilova step up and take issue with his form, which... which It was pretty bad form. It was bad. It was really bad. Um, so, you know, we can dispose it. But Norm, this was really, as as Kavita implied, kind of the first vice presidential debate of 2024, as these people are, you know, trying to run um, to be the vice presidential candidate of Donald Trump, uh, who didn't show up, but continues to dominate the news and in the middle of it, there was this kind of nauseating, you know, loyalty pledge where they said, will you support Donald Trump even if he is convicted of felonies? And only two of them, or something like that, since I'm not 100% sure, what, well, you know, uh, Chris Christie raised his hand and then didn't raise his hand. But, uh, you know, those only two of them said no. All the rest of them said, oh, yeah, we'd like a felon. Um, uh, uh, to be the next president of the United States. Um, should we be worried or is this just the new normal? No, it's the new normal. And there's a very interesting piece by Alan Abramowitz, who's one of our better political scientists, about how much uh, the support for Trump is driven by negative partisanship. And 
I think, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't matter what he does, that uh, uh, a huge base of Republicans are going to rally behind him. And we know that that's why these candidates, most of whom I am sure privately do nothing but uh, disparage Trump, to put it nicely, but they're not going to uh, deviate from that. And, you know, to some degree, uh, what Chris Christie and, um, and Asa Hutchinson are doing, to some degree, is calculated. It's a hope that there can be another lane for somebody who actually right. steps apart from Trump. It doesn't appear as if that's going to work. I, I want to make another couple of uh, rants here. One is the moderators were terrible, I thought. They were. Well, I, they were like non-moderators. Yeah. They were non-existent. No, they were what, what was their purpose? But, you know, they, they, they asked an appropriate question in one of the earlier segments. Raise your hand if you think climate change is man-made. And then not one of them, other than Ramaswamy, who said it's a hoax, um, answered the question and they never came back to it. They let it go completely. The second rant, which also involves uh, Martha McCallum, uh, was the blood libel over and over about Democrats want abortions up to the moment of birth. And instead of a moderator countering that, it was reinforced. And it just, I find it so offensive and so awful. Uh, but it's typical now of what Fox does and what the Republican Party does. Lies don't matter at all. They just get reinforced. You know, those were not rants, Norm. I, you know, I watch, I read your rants, and they are normally like, you are a despicable human being. You should be in jail. Yeah. Delete your account. A, launch yourself yeah. to the moon. You know, and that's those, a rant. By the way, can I can I make a comment? Can I can I just say like, um, did was I the only person who's like, who the hell's Doug Burgum? You know, like, and where did he? And where where? Who, not only I had been reading the articles about who, who the heck is this guy, uh, but you know, listen, in, in another lifetime, wouldn't Doug Burgum have been that like? shoe in, you know, business governor, you know, comes in despite an injury and had substantive answers and kind of, I, I mean, is it crazy that like, all of a sudden, like, you know, the small town guy that had the like looks and would have honestly been like the guy and or at least one of the guys, nobody knows who the hell he is. And, and even Asa Hutchinson, who I kind of went in rooting for, kind of came off like, I mean, when he said, like, as former head of the DA, DEA, I'm like, no, those are not debate lines you should use. Nobody has prepped you, Asa. You know, it's just a really sad, like, statement about the irrelevance of so many of those people on stage. I'm pretty sure Doug Berger was a stagehand. I think he just wanted. But that's what I'm saying. Like, where did he come from? <laughs> I think he, he just... literally came out of central casting. But he came out of a central casting that 10 years ago, maybe a little more, would have actually been a shoe-in for at least one of the top three. And and now you're like, wait, who is that guy? Wait, what, well, what happened? Where was that guy coming He's from? doing this because he's a billionaire and he can afford to do it and put his own money into it. I actually thought he was appropriate as the governor of North Dakota. He is a small man and uh, running a small state and displayed the most shallow uh, grasp of the complex issues 
south-facing uh, country. But he's attractive. You know, he, he looks like every man. And uh, in an earlier era, would not have been, you know, supporting some of these radical positions, um, most likely, and might well have been uh, an attractive possibility. Now he does come across like somebody who wandered onto the stage. It's like the Andy Kaufman of uh, presidential candidates. <laughs> yeah, it may have been Andy Kaufman, by the way. There's, yeah. you know, theories That's right. that he's still out I there. I know he's alive somewhere. Somewhere, yeah, yeah. Just with he's with Yevgeny Prigozhin. Um, well, let me let me switch the the questions. There's so many questions I have because I see you so infrequently, and I, I you know, since Kavita's a doctor, I would like to turn to a medical issue. Kavita, today the former president disgraced, former twice impeached, four times indicted, rapist, ex president of the United States, is um, going to turn himself in on prime time. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, at the uh, Fulton uh, County Jail. Uh, and there's quite a bit of activity on the internet uh, around his weight. There's an over-under that says he's 278 and a half. Um, it was 273. It's actually gone up five points in the past three days. You're a medical professional. Uh, where do you come out on all of this? Or are you in the Ronnie Jackson group that he's the most well-fit man you ever saw? Oh, yeah. This is, uh, yeah, there's no question that Ronnie Jackson is who you want to be taking, you know, life-saving medical advice from. But I, I think that, uh, I, I think that no matter what the weight, what astonishes me is, is I keep going back to, you know, Trump's position before the 2016 election that basically wrote like the two paragraphs of Dr. what he is in. Yes. Oh, yeah. From, oh, yeah. That was my, my sister's uh, doctor in New York it, City, actually. That's <laughs> There you go. And, 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 and I can't help but think like, yeah, of course, this is the guy I want to be assessing a potential president of the United States. So I come out on the way over. I think he's clearly because he's a tall guy. So 278. I mean, I actually, again, on a separate chain, several of us who are doctors who have had kind of political roles said, he has to be at least 300 pounds and he's stretching his clothes and he's looking the weight. And then the most common reply, I kid you not, is well, why isn't he just going on Ozempic like everybody else in the country? And and one has to wonder, why isn't he going on, you know, Donald Trump on, on a miraculous drug that even worked for um, that worked for Charles Barkley. So we're, we're trying to all understand and scratching our heads, understanding that. I do think that, uh, one of the questions I do have is that when he does go through this indictment, it's a very re reasonable question. Like how tight did they, you know, what are they doing with uh, the seat that he's in? And cause I've, as you know, I think all, all, both of you, all three of us have been in the Roosevelt room. We know the president has gotten like a bigger chair and that's one that has a little bit more height on the back. Uh, and I think those are close quarters for Donald Trump already as it is, but I think he would go down next to Theodore Roosevelt. And I think you're, th I think you're thinking of William Howard Taft. Yes. Taft is the heaviest, but I think he, there was, right? Taft yeah. was the heaviest. He got stuck in a belt. bathtub, actually. Right. And then, and then I think Trump is third, I think, if I'm not mistaken. There might be somebody else that's in a contention for number three. Well, Theodore Roosevelt Trump was short. Up. I don't believe Theodore Roosevelt was He there. was. He was. So by, I think it's more of just by his, um, 
kind of the body mass. His BMI. Yeah, we didn't do BMI at the turn of the century. We didn't do BMI back then. This actually raises going back a little bit further. Trump was always listed at six foot two. When he started to run for president, he magically became six foot three. And the basic reason is that given the weight that they put down for him, at six foot two, he was obese. Uh, and at uh, six foot three, he was just overweight. Now, we also know uh, that as you age, you shrink. And instead of being six foot three, when we saw a picture of him as he got elected next to Barack Obama, who's six feet, that Trump was no more than six feet. So my guess is uh, if they do his height as well as his weight, that he's going to come out at maybe six feet, maybe 5'11", and I would bet over 300, uh, right around 300. So he'll come out as morbidly obese. That's what, there was no chance that it was 273 to 278, unanimously about. Well, I I, I got to tell you, I'm, I don't know if I buy the whole thing because Rudy Giuliani came out yesterday at 5'9 and 180. And he's not 5'9 and he's not 180. So, so I don't, you know, some, they're, they're, I don't, they could be cooking the books back there. Uh, but you're bringing up, David, you're bringing up a point that I didn't think, I did not expect, I, I sorry, I did not expect to come up last night, but I am a little surprised. Um, maybe you saw it on the uh, Twitterverse. And, and at some point I was like, I can't keep up with the insanity of the whole thing. I have really thought that, you know, there was, I think, was it Nikki Haley? Nikki Haley, who made a comment that nobody wants to see a Trump-Biden rematch. And and I actually think, to be honest, I think the whole country feels that way no matter what party you're in. There's just, nobody wants to see this rematch for a lot of reasons. Nobody brought up, unlike Biden, nobody has brought up, not just the weight, but just the age. I mean, nobody's bringing that up. I understand why those candidates didn't bring it up. And we talked about the moderators being a bunch of faux, like, you know, mannequins, basically, that speak. But it is interesting to me, David, nobody's talking about a morbidly obese, all the kind of risk factors that are associated with it, regardless of what Dr. Borstein said, genetics and what happens at that age and aging and and kind of what that could do to our country, unless I missed it. But I haven't really seen anybody and nowhere near the degree Biden gets. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's exactly the issue I wanted to talk about. It is a very explosive issue, and I was spending a lot of time this week discussing it with other kind of leading uh, Democrats, actually. Um, and I really want to get the view of both of you on it. Um, but I can't at this section of the program because, you know, this is for the general audience and, and the, you know, the people who haven't paid for membership. Um, and we've run out of time, so I'm going to have to say we're going to discuss it in the next segment, which is available only to members. You know, so so you know, unless you're a member, and it's easy, you go to the dsrnetwork.com and click on membership and five dollars a month. Uh, you're going to miss the most explosive discussion ever in the history of words matter. I guarantee you. Um, for those of you who are missing it. Too bad, and see you later. For those of you who are members, stand by.